Hey, Church Online, you know, today is our final sermon in the Growing in Christ series, and then next week's going to be Easter, and then we will be on to phase two of our 2023 vision, which is the book of Jonah. But in our current series, we've talked all about a lot of things that can help us grow in Christ. We've talked about having a spirit like Caleb, uh, about love, biblical community, our willingness to endure pain, living on mission, and even rightly thinking about our Christ-centered identity. But today, we're going to end by talking about sacrifice. You know, we live in a culture of entitlement and instant gratification. We believe things are owed to us and that people should make accommodations for us. And we want things now and we don't want to wait for it. Yet something deep within us understands how special sacrifice can be. We may not choose sacrifice as the ideal, but we know it often plays an important role in the growth process. More than that, Jesus confirms this through his word when he says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. In other words, Jesus says, If you want to follow me, you must be willing to sacrifice. And Jesus modeled this sacrificial living for us. Actually, today is Palm Sunday, the day that Jesus enters into Jerusalem to begin his journey towards the cross, the greatest sacrifice in history. Sacrifice is part of what God does. And as Christians, as Jesus followers seeking to grow in Christ, I believe sacrifice needs to be part of what we do as well. Christians should be the most sacrificial people on the earth. The problem is, all too often, we're more selfish than sacrificial. Thankfully, God's word can help us change that. And Ephesians 4 verse 1 is a perfect verse, at least in my opinion, to help teach us how to grow in sacrifice. And so verse 1 says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now, since verse 1 starts with a therefore, let's be good Bible students and ask, what's the therefore, therefore? Well, Paul has just written three chapters discussing a, 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 a discussing our new identity in Christ, how Jesus has sacrificed his life on the cross, and how that resulted in our forgiveness and us receiving new life. We could sum up Ephesians chapter 1 through 3 by saying, because of Jesus, we are now fully alive. Therefore, as prisoners for the Lord. At this time, Paul is literally a prisoner. He's in jail for preaching the gospel. He's writing letters while chained to a Roman guard. But here, he's not just describing his circumstances. He's using the physical to teach a spiritual lesson. Although Paul is probably the greatest Christian who ever lived, he is still a regular guy. And like most regular guys, he's prob- he probably didn't want to be in prison. I-, I think part of him asked, God, why am I still here? Wouldn't I be more productive, free? But at some point, 
the Holy Spirit gives him spiritual insight into his imprisonment. Look at what he writes to the Philippians. He says, And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here in prison has helped to spread the good news, to spread the gospel for everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. Paul sees that by his imprisonment, God has given him incredible access to a place few Christians could go, the Roman palace. And every few hours, he gets to talk to a new palace guard. And with each rotation, another person hears the gospel and people in the palace were getting saved. And Paul's like, I see you, God. I see that you're working. Even though I'm in chains, the gospel is not. Therefore, when he says, I am a prisoner for the Lord, what he's really confessing is, my entire life is chained to God, and he can do whatever he wants. He is the master, and he knows what he's doing. And the more I surrender, the more I found that I am fully alive. And then Paul goes on to write, I urge you it's the Greek phrase parakaleo. You know, kaleo means to call and para is, is, is to, to bring alongside. As a prisoner for the Lord, Paul is inviting us. He's urging us to join him. But join him in what? Well, he goes on to say to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. That word to walk is the Greek word uh, peripateo. Pateo means to, to walk. Peri means in a circle. And the sense is to live, to walk entirely focused on Jesus. What Paul is inviting his readers to do is join him in seeking first the kingdom of God. And this is so much more than just going to heaven. You know, while the gospel is definitely about finding forgiveness and salvation and eternal life, it's also an invitation to live in a radically different way, to be fully alive, to live as God intended us to live. You know, God created us for an incredible purpose, and the gospel opens the door for us to live in that intended purpose. And that purpose includes being part of God's family. And there is no higher calling in all of existence. I wonder if you've ever stopped to think about that. That Christianity isn't just something that you add to your life like a, a spiritual hobby. No, it, it's, it's the greatest, most beautiful, life-changing experience that has ever happened to you. Which is why... Paul says you need to live in a manner that is worthy. The word worthy means to balance the scales. Paul is like, church, do you really understand what has happened? Like it's literally the greatest thing ever. Like we belong to Jesus, the highest king of heaven. And, and he loves us. He wants to be in a relationship with us. And we, we, don't, we don't deserve this because we're scrubs. 
Y'all didn't know that the, the female R&B group from back in the day, TLC, was prophetically speaking about us when they sang, I don't want no scrub. A scrub is a guy who can't get no love from me. You know, that that's us. We are spiritual scrubs. We don't deserve God's love. But King Jesus said, I'll, I'll, I'll take them anyways. Actually, he says, no, no, I, I want them. I, I love them so much that I will die for them. And when Paul calls us to live worthy, to balance the scales, it's like he's forcing us to, to consider the comparison. Like, like we are way down here, and yet Jesus is way up here. And yet he still loves us and invites us to be with him. And Paul's like, do you get that? And if so, then why do you love Jesus so little? Sacrifice so little for him because he sacrificed everything for us. We, we usually love him down here and he loves us up here. And Paul's like, bro, you got to fix the scales. You got to balance the scales. You need to do whatever it takes, even if it costs you everything. Even if you have to join me in prison and it'll be worth it. You know, Paul, Paul knows what he's talking about here. Paul, Paul personally knew what it was like to sacrifice for Jesus. You know, before Jesus, he, he had everything. He had, he had the big house in, in the hills of South Glastonbury. He, he had power and influence in the Range Rover. He could walk up to a restaurant here in, in Glastonbury, Sayulita, where nobody can get in. He, he could walk up and get a table without waiting. But when he came to Christ, he lost it all. Yet look at what he writes. He says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. In other words, being fully alive in Jesus is infinitely better than anything I lost. And it was worth the sacrifice. And it will be for you too. And so join me. And I don't know about you, but I believe Paul. And I, I want to join him. I, I want to be fully alive. I want to grow in Christ. And I'm guessing that you do too. But we got to know that it's going to require sacrifice. Therefore, let me share three types of biblical sacrifice that I've observed in the scriptures and in spiritually mature people. The types of sacrifice that, that, that when we incorporate them into our lives, we will grow in Christ too. And I'd like to, to use the idea of being a prisoner for the Lord as a framework to process these sacrificial practices. Following Ephesians 4.1, that the framework would, would go something like this. It would go like, number one, Paul uh, urges us to join him as a prisoners for the Lord. And then number two, that is going to change how we live by practicing sacrifice, to live worthy, to balance the scales. And then finally, number three, we, we're going to experience God's blessing, which will make the sacrifice worth it. And so let's talk about the first sacrifice here. And I'm going to call this the sacrifice of the flesh. Now in the Bible, the flesh refers to our sinful nature, that part of us that naturally rebels against God. 
And we inherited this from Adam and Eve, the first humans who sinned against God. And this sinful flesh was our master since birth. But when we come to Christ, we die to that old nature. And through, and though the flesh temporarily tries to influence us, it is no longer our master because Jesus set us free. And now we can say no to the flesh. And we need to say no because the flesh kills our spiritual growth. Paul wrote, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. If we want to grow in Christ, if we want to be fully alive, we must learn to say no to our personal, sinful, selfish desires. We must become a prisoner for the Lord and say no to anyone not our master, including ourselves. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're saying that doesn't sound like being fully alive. That sounds like a whole lot of boring. Because who wants to deny their personal desires? And who willingly chooses to be a prisoner? Well, in the Old Testament, Moses is giving God's law to the Israelites. And then he begins to give them instructions on how to treat their slaves or their servants or their prisoners, uh, including when it's the right time to free them. But then something completely ridiculous happens. He says, there might be a time when you're freeing your slave, but the slave may declare, I love my master, my wife, and my children. I don't want to go free. Wait, who in their right mind would ever say that? Like, why would you choose to be a prisoner? I think a parallel passage can give us a little insight. So Deuteronomy 15 says, But suppose your servant says, I will not leave you because he loves you and your family and he has done well with you. You know, one reason a slave would choose to stay is because the master is good and loves him. The master richly cares for him and he prospers as a prisoner. And in the same way, we have a good God who is ready to bless our sacrificial living. When we willingly choose to be prisoners for the Lord, he promises to care and prosper us. And we will experience life to the fullest. That's why Jesus says, you know, you need to seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and all things will be added to you. Basically, if you're willing to be a prisoner for the Lord, I'm going to bless you. And so do you need to grow in Christ? Then sacrifice your selfish desires and seek first God's kingdom and watch how he will bless your life and watch how you'll grow. All right, second thing I want to talk about is the sacrifice of holiness. Now, the difference between this sacrifice and the last one is instead of focusing on saying no to your flesh, this is about focusing on saying yes to the master. You know, many think of holiness as moral purity, and holiness does involve purity. But in a greater sense, holiness is being set apart for God. It's resolving to live in a way that when people look at you, they say, that person belongs to Jesus. You know, that's not easy. 
because our flesh and the world around us wants us to live in such a way that we're running from Jesus. Holiness is going to require sacrifice, both big and small sacrifices. It requires us to think through every detail of our lives, asking, does Jesus, does the master want me to do this? And and if I do this, how will that impact my representation of Jesus? It requires us to literally take Scripture's command of saying, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. You know, my son learned this lesson recently. He had to decide whether he was going to sacrifice for holiness. Last week, my dad was in town and he likes to spoil his grandkids, so he gave them all money. And of course, Cade wants to buy uh, new shoes because he's his father's son. Uh, uh, and he had been eyeing these pair of lamellos, specifically these these Rick and Mortys. And I am not going to lie; these are these are fresh. But there's a part of the shoe that has an inappropriate phrase on them. And so I asked him, you know, would wearing these shoes compromise your reputation as a follower of Jesus? And I told him to pray about it and see how God would speak to him through his word. And then decide only after he had heard from God. Later on, he came back to me and he said, Dad, I don't think I should buy these shoes. Uh, It wouldn't represent Jesus well. I'm going to pick a different pair. Now, that may sound totally silly to you, but to a 12-year-old boy, that was a huge sacrificial decision that helped him grow in Christ. It was a sacrifice of a holiness. Furthermore, Hebrews 12 says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. According to Hebrews, holiness gives us access to see God, to be in God's presence. And Psalm 16 says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You know what's in God's presence? It's his blessings. And I think God is going to bless Cade for his sacrifice of holiness. And he is going to bless our sacrifice too when we decide to be set apart, to be holy for his name. Finally, the third sacrifice is the sacrifice of generosity. You know, Jesus once said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And Jesus also promised to to give and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For, For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now I'm wondering, are you struggling in growing with Christ? Well, then let me ask, how, how's your giving? You know, that's a tough question, but it's something spiritually mature people talk about. They talk about, are you making the sacrifice of financially giving? Now you might be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are you talking about my money, Pastor? Doesn't my time, like my serving, count as giving too? Yeah, it does. And for every person who serves at the River Church, I just want to thank you for the generous giving of your time. But because God is calling us to grow up this year, that means that we got to have uncomfortable conversations about money too. And let me tell you why. 
Scripture often connects money with our heart. And the truth is, anytime we are unwilling to financially give, that usually indicates that there's something unhealthy and spiritually immature going on in our heart. And if we want to grow, then we got to expose that and get rid of it. Now, I'm going to pause right here. Let me just be clear about something before you guys start firing off ugly emails to me. The, the River Church is an extremely financially generous church. We don't need any money. And, and God, through your financial giving, is providing for all of our needs. I am not writing this point because our church needs money, because we don't. I, I'm talking about this because our church needs to grow up. Amen? That being said, most of the time, our reason for not giving is connected to our unbiblical love of money. Y'all have heard this before. It's the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. My church family, we can't have any of that kind of root in our lives because an evil church is not a spiritually mature church. And that's what kind of church God's calling us to. And so we got to talk about giving and then we got to expose the evilness in our hearts if we're going to grow up. We must develop ways to fight our love for money and then get rid of it. And one way we can do that is to take a prisoner's perspective on money. That is, let the master tell you how to spend the money. And God says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God tells us to financially give. Therefore, the question is not whether or not you should give, but rather how much has God put on your heart to give and will you be cheerful about it? Now, I'm going to be honest. Answering that those questions is going to require sacrifice. It will require discipline. You may need to change your budget. You may need to come up with the budget. You may need to go without things that you have previously enjoyed. But, I mean, if you're a prisoner for the Lord, you should expect to do that anyways, right? Because a prisoner lets the master decide things like spending money. And again, here's why that's important. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, where your money is, there your heart will be also. Financial giving reveals who we love. Sacrificial giving reveals our spiritual maturity. And some of us in here don't want to hear that. And don't worry. I don't want to really preach it. Nevertheless, I must because it's true and we need to grow. But here's something. Here, here's a blessing that can push us through this sacrifice. God says, all the silver and gold is mine. All, all the money we have belongs to God in the first place. So let's just get that straight. And we are just prisoners. We're just servants entrusted with managing it. And yet, God also says, y'all can keep most of it. I don't, I don't need it. Just give some back to me so I can make sure your heart stays healthy. And then, here's what's crazy. God doesn't stop there. He, not only do we get to keep most of the money, what he also says that is, is that I promise 
to bless you when you give. Check it out. After Paul says that you should give because God loves a cheerful giver, he goes on to say, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need. And then look at this, and plenty left over to share with others. God's like, when you give your money away, I'm going to bless you more. And our church experienced God's faithfulness to this promise last year. We, you know, we, we believe God has uh, asked us to tithe off our offerings, to give 10% of everything that we collect as a church, give that away. And that, and that, and that could be a sacrifice because we're still a growing church plant in, in, in an expensive town. You know, God always provides, but humanly speaking, that, that, that 10% could really help us uh, do some things. But regardless, last December, our treasurer noticed that we were only at about 8% giving. And so I, I did the numbers and I wanted to give the bare minimum to catch up. And so I suggested, let's give $500 to this organization and this, 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 this. And, and, and thankfully, thankfully, our leadership embodies our core values better than I do sometimes. And, and core value number two says, says, we believe in generously giving to support our community and God's work in the world. And so their team was like, no, 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 not 500. Let's give a thousand to all of those organizations. And I was like, that's going to be a sacrifice, but I like it. So let's do it. And when we did, God blessed that sacrifice. He was like, hey, I just want to let you know nobody out gives me. And literally, we experienced the promises of Malachi where it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. And if you do, says the Lord of heaven's army, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. And we did. We tried it. And so much money started coming in that month that the church still finished at 8% even after giving away all that money. More importantly, our leadership team grew in Christ. To a greater extent, we know that we can confidently give because God will take care of us. And I share that story with you to encourage you to join us. Be a financial prisoner. Let God control your finances and be sacrificial in your giving and watch how he blesses you and how you'll grow in Christ. And so as we close, I want to urge you to live as a prisoner for the Lord. Think on how much Jesus sacrificed for you and then balance the scales. Accept the invitation to grow in Christ and to be fully alive. And so today, ask yourself, is there a sacrifice of flesh that God wants you to make? Something that you need to give up so that you can grow in Christ. And maybe today you need to do that in, in the most ultimate way and maybe for the first time. Like today is the day that you completely surrender to Jesus as Lord and Savior. Like you sacrifice everything else to follow him. And if you feel right now the Holy Spirit urging you, pressing on your heart to make that decision, let me just encourage you, don't wait. Turn from your sin, put your faith in Jesus. It will be worth the sacrifice. Second question I wanna, I wanna leave you with, is there a sacrifice of holiness that you need to make? A decision that changes the way that you live so that when people look at you, they think, hey, that person belongs to Jesus. 
Finally, is there a financial gift that you need to make? Maybe God's asking you to increase your sacrifice. Again, River Church people, I know we are, we, we are a very generous church. And thank you. Keep it up. But at the same time, let me also encourage you, don't grow content. Keep listening to God. Keep growing. Keep sacrificing. God will bless your sacrifice. Let's pray. Jesus, on this Palm Sunday, we remember your sacrifice. And we thank you. It's your sacrifice that changed everything in our lives. And now we hear your word inviting us to live differently, to live sacrificially, to seek your kingdom first over our own selfish desires, to be set apart for you, to be a prisoner for the Lord, and to sacrificially give because you gave everything and you are worth it. Help us to live this way. Help us to balance the scales. Help us to grow more like you every day, even when it costs us. And help us to remember it will be worth it. Help us remember that you are worth it. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us for Church Online. If this was your first time, uh, please fill out a Connect card. We would love to say hi to you, even send you a gift. Also, if you have any prayer requests, would like to know more about the River Church, or maybe you've decided to follow Jesus today, we want to hear from you. There's an easy way to do that on our website, riverchurchct.com. Or if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, you can follow the links in the comments below, or you can text the keyword TRC Connect to 94,000. God bless you. Have a great day.